Welcome, everyone, to this very special segment with David Wolf. We are here today to talk about silica and aloe vera. Silica is one of those amazing substances that the body uses for bone building, healing, repair. David's going to tell us all about the amazing benefits of silica. And one of the reasons why we're doing this interview is my mom was just recently diagnosed with osteoporosis, and one of the prescriptions that was given to her or recommended to her was for this particular pharmaceutical, which I'm not going to mention just for liability reasons. And on their website, which I checked out, it said that, you know, you need to be on this medication for two years, David, before you experience even slight noticeable effects of the prescription to rebuild your bones. And I remember talking to you in Los Angeles, you had talked about, you know, silica and magnesium being used together and getting on things like horsetail and metal tea. And we have some amazing products at the Longevity Warehouse, which really kind of hammer home some high-powered kind of silica delivery systems. So I just want to talk to you in general about silica and bone building for people out there who might be interested in it for those purposes and then kind of branch out from there and see where this interview takes us. So can you talk a little bit about what silica is, in particular how it's used in the bone building process? Okay, I can't begin to talk about silica without telling you how I discovered the magic of silica, which was through the work of Louis Kerbrand. And Dr. Kerbrand began in 1959 studying the concept of biological transmutations, which are alchemical changes in minerals created by living organisms. And between 1959 and 1983, Dr. Kerbrand literally revolutionized biology, mineralogy, and, and really the sciences of ha having anything to do with alchemy. Um, what he discovered when he was a child, and this is what led him to his life's work, is that on his farm, if the chickens were able to, to peck at mica, which is high in potassium and has some silica in it, that they could actually form shells on their eggs. But if they could not get the mica and they could not get, like, it, a source of silica and potassium in their diet, then they actually could not form a, an egg. And he asked his mom about it, and his mom said, I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean? The dad said, oh, just don't worry about it. Then he went to his teacher in his, at his school, and he said, how can this happen? You know, these chickens don't have any calcium in their diet, but they're able to form calcium rich eggs in the shell, the eggshell, via the intake basically of potassium and silica, and that guy didn't know. So eventually he just kept asking further and realized nobody knew, that nobody has ever actually really studied this. Well, I, I don't want to say nobody. There have been amazing scientists who have studied this, but no one's been able to get it into the conventional discourse of science because the conventional discourse of science is a little bit like, it's like a, uh, an ivory tower. And I understand why it would be like an ivory tower, there's a lot of research that's gone on, and you don't want some kind of crackpot to kind of come in there and say this is all wrong, and I understand that side of it, but it's overly conservative, and it's usually directed by agendas. That's the other side of it, where real research is not allowed in if it kind of contradicts the, the theories of the day. Kerbrand was able to prove that mica can actually mineralize uh, an egg in a, in a chicken's body. And so they, give, they, they can actually produce an egg that has calcium in it, even though they have no calcium in their diet. His later research then indicated that European folk herbalism for thousands of years has always recommended horsetail nettle tea, which are high silica-bearing plants, 
for bone density issues, for broken bones, um, basically for demineralization problems, and which are very com common today. In fact, they're rampant in the raw food world and they're rampant in the health food store world because the, the food's so demineralized. There's not enough minerals in the food, especially silica. Like when somebody has teeth problems, what I see, they have a silica deficiency most of the time. They, they have other problems, but underneath all of it, definitely there's a silica deficiency. That's a primary problem. When somebody has osteoporosis, silica deficiency. A baby's born rich in silica, low in calcium. By the time we die, we're high in calcium, meaning we're calcified, but we don't have any calcium in our bones. It's, our bones have become brittle. And that we got to always hedge that bet by getting silica down to the bone. Now, here's the theory about how silica turns into bone, because that's a big deal. It's like I'm saying that silicon, the mineral, can be turned into calcium. That's what I'm saying. And, and that's something you can educate yourself about and study your own, do your own research on, and, and I, I think it's an amazing area of research. Um, when you can take silicon and you can, you can get it down to the, let's say you take it in a good form like horsetail metal tea, you can get it down to the mineralization site in your bones, what's actually happening is there's an enzyme that takes silica, turns it into calcium, connects it to the phosphate, and you have calcium phosphate as a bone material all of a sudden. That's also going on with magnesium. Magnesium can be biologically transmutated into calcium. So magnesium showing up at the site that I think they're called, I think those areas in our body are called osteoblasts, where the mineralization occurs and the formation of bone occurs, and then you have the conversion of the magnesium into calcium and then connected to the phosphate, and that whole process forms the bone right there on the spot. This is also happening to some degree with potassium. Potassium can be flipped over and turned into calcium in some people. Not always, but in some people that can occur. And that's important to realize. What I'm saying is not true with everybody. It depends on their level of health. The healthier you are, the more you can convert potassium into calcium. Um, you don't, that's not necessarily true with magnesium and silica. I've seen, there was an 80-year-old woman came to me one time way back. This is back in, this is probably 10 years ago in Miami. And she had broken her wrist and they wanted to put pins in and all, the whole, the whole surgery, all that stuff. And she said, no, I don't, I don't want it. I'm 80 years old. I don't want all those pins in my arm. And, and so she ended up just putting the, having the bones set and then going into a cast. And she remembered what Dr. Ann Wigmore had told her, which is, Go drink horsetail tea, get lots of silica, don't worry about the calcium. In fact, don't have any calcium, and your bones will heal just fine. And so she came to that event and told me the story about her bones and how they had healed fine, even at the age of 80, by taking silica. Wow. And she was fanatic about it. She was a fanatic about silica. And so those kinds of experiences have taught me that, like, in, in my own experience, if I feel any demineralization in my teeth from eating any too much citrus fruit or being, you know, too under too much stress or anything like that. I just take silica and it just goes away immediately. It's gone. And so you start going, what's going on here? So our, our theory of mineralogy is under tremendous attack from a number of different directions. One of them is the theory of biological transmutation. The other is the discoveries of hormones. In particular with silica, there seems to be some also just a, a general effect. We have the bone building effect and the transmutation occurring, but also silica as just like an alkaline mineral. Can you talk a little bit about some of the other benefits getting silica into our system? So let's say, for example, we've got a perfect bone structure. We've got flawless bones. We've got great bone density. We've got great bone formation. 
we don't have any deficiencies, we have nothing going on that needs immediate attention, what are some of the other benefits of just having general silica in our diet, for example? Silica is present in our blood vessels, bones, cartilage, connective tissue, hair, ligaments, lungs, lymph nodes, muscles, nails, skin, teeth, tendons, and trachea. Those places have, wow. found, have been found to contain a high amount of silica. So this is interesting, Lou. I love this story. There was a crop circle that showed up in England. I put this out on Twitter and Facebook occasionally. There was a crop circle that was put out in England, and then it was, it was basically it was the same message that was sent out from the giant dish in Puerto Rico back in the 70s by Carl Sagan, basically describing who we are, where we are in the universe, you know, what our location is. It was like a pictogram. Then, many, many years later, 20-something years later, in, a, in, a, in that crop circle, there was a response to that pictogram. And the one, the one thing that was in there that I, I don't know, this can, I don't think it's a bunch of drunks out there doing this, Lou, because the, the thing that they said in their response to that pictogram is that all the major minerals you think you're made out, up out of are true, except you missed one, and it's silica. Anyway, silica is really an insulator. It keeps the blood warm. It keeps your tissues warm. So it keeps heat from moving in and out of you very easily. So if you're really rich in silica, you can handle the cold more, hence the idea in the temperate regions of the world of horsetail nettle tea because there's enough silica in those to help you maintain your body temperature in a cold condition. Um, so if you do suffer from cold hands and feet and that kind of a thing and you don't move the energy around your body very well, well or the heat, it may be a silica deficiency. That's possible. There's definitely a, an aspect of silica that's, that's involved in the alkalinity, as you mentioned, right? You said that. You said it's like it has an alkaline mineral. And not only because it can be formed into an alkaline mineral like calcium, but there's something else going on with silica. Like it itself is an alkaline mineral, so it helps to alkalize our tissue. There's a connection between silica and water and spring water. And really good spring waters usually have high silica or really good hot springs waters are slippery, like they have a, a, enough silica where the water's like slippery. And the structure of water is definitely connected to silica, according to Dr. Patrick Flanagan. We found out through our Ormus research that the silica is the key element, that with the silica as the carrier, the Ormus element can be held as a powder if you, or, or as a liquid. If you remove the silica from the environment, the Ormus element is too reactive, and it will, it will escape. It, you can't contain the material. So that's, that's another piece of the puzzle. Silica itself is like two carbons put together or mushed together. So it's kind of like two tetrahedrons stuck together on one side. That's kind of the alchemical structure of silica. There's many different bond points, many different bond angles, and in some degree is like carbon but an octave higher. That's very interesting. And the organo-living silica that we carry the longevity warehouse, it says the ingredient in here is, it says it's organic-type silicon, monomethylsilane triol, CH3, one of the best silicon carriers and potentiators of other molecules. Can you shed a little bit of light on monomethylsilane triol, the CH3, uh, and there seems to be that connection between, you know, its origin coming from a spring water, its bioavailability, in this particular molecular structure? This is how I understand that product, and this is the reason why I brought that product into the U.S. market. I mean, I actually originally brought, brought – I was the first person to put that product up on a website 
um, because I think it's such a powerful product made out of spring water, is that different silica compounds have different structures. There are hundreds of these types of structures going on, and some of them have been found to have very good effects on our, you know, our nervous system. Some of them have, have had very good effects against arthritis. And so those, those particular types of silicas that are highly bioavailable and also have that, that medicinal effect have been isolated. And one of them is isolated out of spring water that's in the organo living silica. So that's a super structure of water, that product. And that's, that in my opinion is how the Ormus works and it's how that product works. It takes the water in your body and it highly structures it if we're going to really kind of get down to what's happening, because if the silica element doesn't really dominate in your body as compared to water. So the silica is going to be part of the water matrix of your body, and it's going to be informing the water in your body. It's a crystalline substance. Silica is basically the, is the basic material of quartz, by the way. Uh, quartz crystals made out of silica. So those crystals in your body, so to speak, are what inform the water in your body, and that upgrade is what actually helps the anti-inflammatory process. Okay, awesome. So this is a really amazing product, and this first, I just first tested it out, I think it was three events ago. And, um, you know, I was, I, you know, 35 at the time. It, it just, for me, I didn't feel any, in terms of bone building anything, but I did feel a sense of mental clarity coming from the, the organosilica. I'm sure as I get older, I'll experience of the other physical benefits from it, but it seemed to have a mental effect. I don't know if that's, you know, a placebo effect or what that is. Have you had the experience with just mental clarity or mental sharpness or, or like a, a lightness, like a mental lightness that's very clear from silica? And does that make any sense to you whatsoever? There's a lot of people who theorize that the whole thing of Silicon Valley and computers um, it has a lot to do with the mineral silica. So if you take the mineral silica that it actually improves your cognition, your intelligence, your wit, your speed of thought. And there, there's some reasonable evidence to that, but I'm not going to hang my hat on that, just like, you know, I'm not going to hang my hat on that, that, you know, the silica works by structuring the water in your body. You know, there's some evidence that that's happening. But, we, you know, if we go to, like, the conventional reason, it's like we're deficient in silica, we get, you know, that deficiency healed. We, we might experience a lot of differences in our body, just like if you had a zinc deficiency and suddenly – that was that was topped up, or any other mineral deficiency. So that that's kind of you know the the more conservative position is that it's just filling up a mineral deficiency. Although I like to ascribe to you know the more exotic stuff that like hey you know Silicon Valley computers, um, it makes you smarter to eat silica rich compounds and foods because generally by the way the silica rich compounds and foods like horsetail are the most ancient types of plants that have been here, so they may have more knowledge and information. They may be like one octave up above carbon life forms. And is it also correct, I think I remember you saying that you can find silicon naturally occurring in the skin of vegetables that are very shiny. So like, for example, cucumbers, I believe. So does that seem to indicate that silica is good for your skin as well? Absolutely. It's one of the beauty minerals. That's what I wrote about in my Eating for Beauty book. I put a whole chapter on silica in there. And silica is found primarily in, in foods like bamboo. So on nasta salatus, which is the best edible bamboo, um, is something I'm really wanting to get a hold of so I can get it in the ground here on my farm because you can really eat a lot of it and get a huge amount of silica that way. Of course, there's horsetail nettles. Hemp leaf. Hemp leaf is super high in silica. 
shockingly high in silica. You know, it's part of the whole conspiracy on that plant. Um, oat straw. Oat straw tea is well-known, well-documented to be an excellent silica source. Mature grass, young grass, like young wheat grass is really high in calcium. The mature grass is high in silica. This is an element that that I do talk about occasionally, but if you're new and you're just lis- listening to this for the first time, you may you may not have heard my thing about grasses come into an environment where the geology was once an ocean, and they helped convert the excess amount of of the calcium ions back down the chain into silica. So they kind of reverse an ocean and flip it back into a place that can one day be a forest. And that's like the Great Plains of America. That's why it's all grasslands. And Canada, too, the Great Plains. It was once under an ocean. In dinosaur times, that was an ocean. And now grass is dominating there. And what the grass is doing is converting the, the calcium backwards into silica. That's so interesting because normally aging is the process of silica being gradually turned into calcium, and then you get calcified, and then you're taken down from that. So would that seem to indicate that eating a lots of grasses is a great way to kind of break up calcification? Yes, definitely. Eating grasses, grasses are an amazing food source. And, and they're amazing because they have a huge amount of enzymes in them. And those enzymes, we know for sure, are converting calcium to silica. You can do that research. I've done it. I've actually dug out all the scientific research on that, and it's a fact that as the plant matures, the, the, the grass, its calcium decreases exactly in the ratio as silica increases. So it's really about mature grass too, Lou. That's another part of this. It's not just grass like wheatgrass use. It's it's at it's wheatgrass at a certain age, like two weeks instead of one week. I was really into that research. I, I really I love that research. I love silica. I love silica products. They're amazing. And we've also got another silica product that combines silica and aloe, which I find really interesting. Uh, we've got the silica liquid, we've got the silica gel, which you use topically, and then we've got the silica, which is the aloe in silica. Can you talk a little bit about what the thinking is behind uniting aloe with silica and what sort of comes about as a result of that unification? Because my understanding is aloe is sort of already high in silica. Aloe is a reasonable source of silica, Um the, the combination of aloe vera and silica makes it more of – it just kind of drives it in deeper. Because, of course, aloe's great magic is that it's a demulcent. It's a gel. It's a jelly. So it, it just it's easy on digestion. It helps to heal digestion. But it's also bringing the silica along with it, which is going to move it deeper into your system. That, that's the idea there, is that the aloe is going to go through the channels where food goes. Um, aloe vera, just upon its own – in its own right, has a, a tremendous amount of unique minerals in it, like germanium. Um, it's aloe vera has the ormus elements in it. That's for sure. Um, so it's itself a wonderful superfood. But when you're dealing with getting the silica in, you're going to want to probably take it in with food. And aloe seems to be a good combination for that. So that's why those two products were put together. Um, we We also find that, like, 
that combination topically, like if you put it on topically as a gel, is it works better than one without the other. People were doing that. And actually, the reason why that product was developed was because people were doing that. They were using aloe vera with the organoliving silica together already, um, just doing, you know, for, for different skin conditions. And so they, that company just decided to put both those in, as one product because it made sense. The G7 silica, the aloe silica, is kind of a natural combination because when you start using the silica, like the organoliving silica topically, it, it's, it's a little bit drying to the skin. It has, like, subtle kind of effects to the skin that aren't, like, something you would want on your face. But when you use aloe with it, then that it makes it work better. The two work together. Um, the organoliving silica is a little bit, like, it's a little acidic. It's, it has a little bit of an edge to it. The aloe softens that edge. And people were doing it together. And the company realized, like, hey, maybe I should just put this product together, right? Like put the aloe with the silica, both of them together, because people were doing it anyway. So it's like a natural thing to do with that product. So it takes the edge off the silica, because the silica, it's like in bamboo. When you eat a lot of bamboo, the silica can kind of burn you. It has a little bit of a citrus edge to it, and the aloe just coats that and makes it a little bit softer. And I know when you were doing the video shoot recently, you, we had fresh aloe leaf, and you were cutting that leaf open, and you showed great, you know, great example of how to cut open the aloe leaf. And the gel is something that you can take internally. You can ingest it, but it's also like silica itself. It's an amazing uh, beauty product to use topically on your skin. Um, can you talk a little bit about aloe and the epithelial cells of the skin and how that works? Aloe is, is really the best thing for the epithelial cells inside and out, outside of your body. All the skin cells that coat you on the inside and out are nourished by that jelly that's in aloe vera. They're nourished by polysaccharides. They're cooled off. They're de-inflamed. It brings them into a proper hydration, a proper level of hydration. So this is going on inside and outside our body. And so it can take areas that were once leathery and soften them up. I talked about that in relationship to MSM. MSM and aloe, by the way, have been used in many products together. The organo-living silica actually is a lot like MSM, very similar in its effects, very similar in what it does and its healing qualities. I find that to be very interesting. I really just rack those two side by side with each other for years to try to detect any difference. They appear to have a completely different mechanism of action that produces a similar result, which is I find interesting. All right, fantastic. So thank you so much for sharing a quick insight into aloe and silica. As people are listening to this interview, you can look just beneath this audio section. You can see that we've had the uh, sale going on for a couple of days now, and we've extended it so you have the opportunity to take advantage of that sale with these silica products. We've got G7 aloe and silica product. We've got the silica labs, organoliving silica, and we've also got the silica gel that you uh, use topically. It seems like Silicon Labs just have, have it down path. They, they seem to be the company that really gets silica, and they, they know what they're doing when it comes to silica. It's, it's like this is their specialty. Yes, I like that. I like that company a lot. I, I like them better than the other companies that are out there, like Biosil. Nothing against Biosil. I've taken that product, but I like the, the Silicium better. I think it's the best silica company out there right now. We'll <laughs>